resurrection assembly of God. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. 13th of March, 2022. Today's scriptures are Hebrews chapter 4, verses 11 through 16, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, and 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. Strength in weakness. Church, wouldn't it be great if there was like a simple step-by-step process to deal with our problems? The easy button, like ABC, and easy as one, two, three, right? Wouldn't that be nice? You know, something like follow these three steps to deal with your annoying little brother. Just kidding, little brothers are not annoying. Follow these three steps to never have car trouble again. Number one, don't own one. (laughs) Five weeks or less to never having anxiety ever again. Well, that would be nice, huh? The ABCs of dealing with a loud neighbor. You all know, right? They're playing Kanye's new album at two o'clock in the morning, waking up the baby. When Holly and I lived uh, in Scotland, there was no soundproofing in our apartment, and this guy would play heavy metal at about 11.30, 12 o'clock at night, and we could not handle it, especially when Laz was first born. Come on. You know, there's a lot of books out there that make these sorts of really big promises. Titles are full of three-step plans, maybe five steps, maximum those seven step plans, maybe a seven-day plan because, you know, it's a week, weight loss programs, parenting podcasts, and newsletters and the sort, uh, you know, read, read the horoscope, they say, to help you understand your problems, and if you just understand who you are through the stars, you can keep a grip on the handlebars of life. Is that what they're teaching you at the University of Iowa, Dustin? No? Okay. <laughs> How many people ask if you're studying astrology, though, right? It's easy to make that mistake. Uh, biology, astrology, but astrology is not the same thing as astronomy, folks. Anyways, you know, even pastors, people like me, are guilty of suggesting that dealing with problems are as, again, easy as one, two, three. Your best life now, says the pastor. If you just do these simple things that I tell you to do, Well, it's not that simple. We all know it's not that simple. You know, I remember uh, right before the first lady and I got married, 12 years ago now, someone stole her checkbook. And my goodness, that was a headache. But you know, if you Google it, they give you like a pretty clear step-by-step process of what you're supposed to do. Contact your bank, change your account numbers, contact the police, fill out a report, and have an affidavit to uh, you know, submit to the necessary authorities. It's a lot more complicated than that when someone steals your checkbook. Problem was that Holly didn't realize at first that her checkbook was stolen at all because, well, she didn't write a lot of checks 
um, at that stage of life. So by the time she found out that her checkbook was stolen, there were checks, bad checks written all over Springfield, Missouri. Debt collectors were calling. Businesses were wanting to press charges against her. You know, the grocery stores, they didn't bother to check the person's ID when they were writing the check, but it wasn't on them for some reason. It was on Holly. It's complicated. Months of her life was spent trying to undo all of that. And it was painful. Those debt collectors, too, you know, when they, uh, you know, you know how it is dealing with debt collectors. It's not like a one, two, three step plan. Oh boy. I got a call from a debt collector once claiming I missed a payment on my health insurance. And, you know, I thought, okay, we can deal with this. What are the steps to rectifying this situation? Well, there were no steps. I found the receipt in my email proving that I had actually paid the company. So I told the debt collector on the phone that I'd be happy to email it to her. And you know what she said? She said, we don't do email. What? She said, we only do fax. And I said, what, what are we living in 1992 here? I literally don't even know where to go to send a fax in Iowa City. It's already digitized and you want me to print it out so I can put it through a machine that will digi digitize it to then put it out on a piece of paper and then it'll get lost in your office. I couldn't believe it. You know why they do this, right? Uh, it's because they don't actually want you to pay right away. They want you to accrue more interest on your debts so they can keep you paying tribute over the long haul. God will judge them. <laughs> My point is, is that problems aren't dealt with like easy peasy. There's no one, two, three. There's no ABCs to an uncomplicated, unproblematic life. But we want it, don't we? I know I want it. So let's talk about that. We're going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10 here in just a moment. We read this passage last week. Pastor Abbage, Pastor Abby, passage, sorry. Pastor Abby mentioned it in her sermon. Uh, but she focused her, her sermon on Hebrews chapter 4, which we also read today. So we're in our 40-day fast now, as most of you should know. We are feasting. Feasting. We are feasting on the word of God. We're fasting until Easter from two things. Friday lunches. We invite you to join us in that if you are able. We're fasting Friday lunches to remember Christ's death who was crucified at noon on a Friday. We are also fasting from fear feeders for 40. So we're asking you to ask yourself what makes you afraid and then fast from that. And if you can't fast from what makes you afraid, well, there's a third part to our fast. And that is the task of taking up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God to confront our fears. Man, that passage was good that we read this morning, wasn't it? Out of Hebrews. Yeah, the whole armor of God. But also there was also Hebrews that says that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We need the sword of the spirit in our lives. And if we can't escape our fears, we can confront our fears with the sword of the spirit. Praise the Lord. This passage I'm about to read uh, can be 
taken to be about fear. So it fits within our fast and what we've been talking about. But it can also be about your problems more generally. So I'm about to give you several steps you can follow to deal with your problems. I know I just said you shouldn't do that. And if you try to do it, well, you lying. You're so lying that there's a simple process because it's definitely not that simple. But the steps I'm going to give you today are to show you that there are no steps, no guarantees. There are no guarantees except one thing, and that's the grace of God. The grace of God is a guarantee, folks. In and through our problems, in and through our fears, the grace of God is sufficient. The grace of God is sufficient. Kids, you're in here still, right? Hello, kids. I want you to listen to me. Give me your wolf's ears again. Or if you prefer a different animal to imitate, you can do that as well. Just cup your ears like this. Maybe you're an elephant. Maybe you're a wolf. Maybe you're a lizard that doesn't have outer ears at all. God's grace is enough for you, kids. I know you kids have problems too, right? Yeah. God's grace is enough for kids. And if it's enough for them, it's enough for us adults too. So we're going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. Kids, keep giving the word of God your ears and your eyes if you want to look it up too. It's on page 911, 911 of your uh, pew Bibles. Page 911. I'm going to read it. I'm waiting for Jorma to give me a thumbs up. We got a thumbs up. First, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 10. I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should, should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from be- becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with my weaknesses, 
I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God says to us today, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So here's the, the steps, folks. The first thing, the first step, recognize the good things. Number one, recognize the good things. Paul begins this passage that we just read talking about some guy that was taken up to heaven and was shown some glorious things. Kind of like John, who wrote the book of Revelation. He was taken up into an open heaven, into, into the heavenly throne room, and he saw glorious things. So Paul's talking about a guy that this happens to, and then it appears to, he appears to admit that this guy was in fact him. He was taken by the Spirit and shown revelations of, well, as he says in verse 7, surpassing greatness. He didn't just see things, though. He also heard things. As he says in verse 4, he heard things that cannot be told, which humans may not utter. What a glorious experience. This was something good. How many of us would love to have a vision of God? Have some visions of God even. Visions that would elate us, make us happy and content and at ease with life because it would give us a peek into what glory awaits us in the life of the world to come. Listen, church, we need to all take time to thank God for the good things he has shown us. If you're a Christian here today, that's because God has shown you his salvation. Has he not? He has given you a peek into the life of the world to come. We're peering through the lattices. We're peering through the veil that is still over our faces. But we can still see the kingdom that is coming. And once you saw that... Once you heard the good gospel preached with those ears that are on the sides of your head, you responded and God gave you his Holy Spirit. He baptized you and called you his beloved child. He's given you gifts for the building up of the church. These are all good things. And we can and should and do thank God for all of this, right? I know you agree with me. God has done good things for us. But we also got some problems, right? And sometimes those problems are connected even to the good things God has done for us. You know, the devil, he doesn't like it when we become Christians. So he attacks us like he attacked Jesus in the wilderness when he fasted for 40 days. Like Abby said last week in her sermon, the devil is powerless. I think she said that the monsters, they make themselves big because that's all they can do. Make themselves appear powerful when they are in fact not. The devil is powerless. We always need to remember that. Satan's power is powerless power. Jesus' power is powerful power. But the devil doesn't like it when we become Christians. So first step is thanking God for good things. 
That's the, this is the second step now. After the first step of recognizing the good things God has done for you, the second step is to acknowledge your problems. Paul says that to keep him from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that he received from God, a thorn was given to him. He says a thorn was given to him in his side. It was a messenger of Satan. And it was painful. It was unpleasant. Now, why did God let this happen to Paul? Or even more so, why does God let bad things happen to us? Why does God let us have problems? Why doesn't he just fix all of it? Or not let it happen in the first place? You know, to some extent, it's a little bit of a mystery. We don't know why God doesn't fix everything all the time. But here, as I've said, Paul gives us a reason. He says that he would have become prideful. He would have become arrogant. He would have become conceited. He would have become a know-it-all because, you know, he was thinking that he was better than everyone else because of these visions that he had had. So God let this thorn come into his side to afflict to harass him. So recognize your problems. Here's the third step. Pray about your problems. That's what Paul did. He said three times he prayed about it. So sometimes you got to pray about it more than once. Sometimes you got to pray about it even more than three times. I know that there's a lot of problems that I've got that I've prayed about a lot more than three times. Amen. Pray about your problems. God hears us. That much we know from this passage. God hears us. So, three steps so far. Recognize the good things. Recognize your problems. Pray about your problems. The fourth is this. Hear the voice of God. That's what happened to Paul. God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So, hear the voice of God, church. Easy enough, right? Man, if only it was that easy. Just pick up the phone and hear what God is saying, right? Here is where dealing with your problems in a Christian way, for sure, is not like the ABCs. And it's not as easy as one, two, three. Because we can't make God talk to us. I mean, we can't even make humans talk to us. You know, I can't, uh, I can't hear what, uh, what Gez wants to communicate unless she actually talks to me, right? And I can't make her talk if she doesn't want to. Hearing the voice of God is on God. He's got to talk. I mean, we've got to have ears to hear too, but God's got to talk. So in that sense, it's not on us. He's got to choose to speak. He's got to address us. Again, with my own problems... I've been asking God to speak to me about some stuff for a long time. And I, and I just don't know why he doesn't. Some things, it's been years that I've been asking him to address, to speak to me about. I mean, I know that God can talk. I think you guys know that God can talk too, that he does talk. I've heard God speak to me before. I remember this really uh, particular instance when uh, I was 20 years old, so that's a little over 15 years ago now, I was really worried about something in my life. The details are not important. It was something really trivial, actually. 
It wasn't that big of a deal, but I was really worried about it. It was trivial. Well, what isn't trivial to God, right? But, you know, it was trivial even in my own reckoning. But even about this trivial thing, God spoke to me in a dream. I woke up one morning, and I just wasn't worried anymore about it. That was nice. That was really nice. I got some other stuff that I really wish God would, like, give me a dream about, and I would wake up and be like, whew. I don't have to deal with that anymore. So what are we to do? Well, be patient, I guess. God will talk to us about the stuff he wants to talk to us about when he wants to talk to us about it. We've got to keep praying. You know, let's, let's remember this, right? If we could make God talk to us, if we could just hear his voice at our own whim, whatever we wanted, I mean, he wouldn't really be God anymore, right? We would be controlling him. He wouldn't be controlling our circumstances. So let's wait patiently for him because he's in charge. We're not in charge. Keep praying about it. So that's the fourth step that really isn't a step at all. Hear the voice of God. The final step to dealing with your problems is this. Be content to have your problems. This is another one where it's not really easy. How many of you are happy with your problems? When you think about the thing that bothers you the most day in and day out, you're like, yeah, I love that. (laughs) But that's what happened for Paul. It says that Paul, after hearing God's voice, was able to be content with his weaknesses, with hardships, with persecutions, and even with calamities. I mean, that's something else, isn't it? The idea that you can be content with your problems I've really struggled with this. Pastor Joseph Lear struggles with this. I'm not sure. No, I am sure. that I'm definitely not at the point where I can thank God for all the things that aren't so right in my life. But you know, honestly, honestly, I hope I get there. I believe I'll get there. Paul here is not saying that, 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 well... He's saying he's content. And to be content is like, it's to be satisfied. Like, like the kind of satisfaction when you feel when you eat a good meal and you're feeling full and grateful. How in the world can Paul say that he is in fact grateful for all of his problems? What does he say? Therefore I will boast about all the more gladly of my weaknesses. He's not just like grateful, he's bragging about it. He's like, look at how weak I am, praise the Lord. How can we be like this? How can we be thankful for calamities and sufferings? Well, somehow, we see it in the scriptures. In the Christian life, we can be. And this is what we should strive for. I want to be content with my problems. I want to even be able to thank God for the things that afflict me. I'm not sure that I'm there yet, but I'm trying. Paul's example means I can get there and we can all get there. We can get to the point where we can say, like Paul said, when I am weak, then I am strong. Because God's power is made perfect in weakness. No, I actually tried this earlier this week about stuff that was bothering me. I started thanking God. You know, the words kind of get caught in your throat a little bit. because like, I don't know if I can really express gratitude for this. 
But I did it. And you know, uh, it wasn't revolutionary, but it kind of was. Because sometimes just voicing something out loud that is a problem and you thank God for it, it starts to loosen its power on you a little bit. Amen. So let me just come back as I close this to the voice of God because that seems to me to be the turning point here. Again, there's no step-by-step process. And the voice of God is that step that we cannot control. The reason Paul says he can be grateful for his problems is because he heard God say, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Now, I already said you can't make God talk to you, right? You can't make him. That's why he's God and we're not. Maybe we just need to be patient and wait for God to speak. At the same time, it strikes me that God has already spoken to us. It's right here in the Bible. And the fact is, the Bible, the Bible written here wasn't just for Paul. Because it's the Bible. It's not just Paul's conversation with one particular church at one particular time. This is for all of us. These words here are God speaking them to us as well. God says us to us, Resurrection Assembly of God, each one of us individually and us as the people of God. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. He already says it. So let's open our ears to hear him. I want to invite you to take this bit of scripture this week and run with it. Say it to yourself. God's grace is sufficient for me. Say it over and over and over again. As you walk down the street, as you drive in your car, as you ride the bus, as you go from place to place, say it over and over again. God's grace is sufficient for me. And then maybe God will bring, you, bring to mind the other scripture that we mentioned a few weeks ago. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God's grace is sufficient for me. Make it a prayer. Say to God, God, make your grace sufficient for me. Make it sufficient for me. And then after you pray, say it yourself. And then start thanking God for your problems. See if you can do it. Thank God for your fears. Thank God for your anxieties. Thank him for your weakness. Because only in your weakness can God be strong. God is not strong in our strength. He is strong in our weakness. We're about to approach approach the communion table. Maybe God has a special word for one of you here today. In fact, I'm going to believe that for you. We're going to believe that for you. Which is why we want to invite you to the altar. When we come to the communion table, that is Jesus talking to us already. He's saying, this is my body, this is my blood given for you. But we also want to believe that God will speak to you with his still small voice at the altar as you kneel before him. And we will pray with you if you would like us to as well and ask that God will speak into your life. So let's prepare our hearts now, huh? Holly's going to come back up and the team and uh, prepare your ears to hear the word of the Lord, kids and adults alike. Let's hear what God will speak this morning in the meal and at the altars. Amen.